1: and welcome to the Catholic Café, actually the French Catholic Café. This is Deacon Jeff sitting in a luxurious corner booth of said French Catholic Café. I'm sitting here with Tom Mulligan. Good Good morning, Deacon Jeff. good to have you here.
2: Another sunny day, which is another miracle.
1: Exactly. Many miracles in Lourdes and it's... uh, It was raining earlier. Well, yes, and pretty much every day has every kind of weather. I think you're right. Pretty much count on. Uh, but the pilgrimage is going wonderfully.
2: Another day of pilgrimage, and I think we're also here for prayer. Oh,
1: amen. We'll talk about prayer, and so we we brought in the what we call the master of prayer, but the grand master of the order, <laughs> His Most Eminent Highness, from Matthew Festing, who's the Prince and Grand Master of the Order of Malta. Your Highness, it's always so wonderful to have you here with us, in Lord.
3: Any kind who
1: You know, we were we're talking about prayer, and I guess you you can't really separate prayer from pilgrimage i mean essentially they're part and parcel to the the mission and and what we do on pilgrimage is prayer you can't separate the two can you
3: no i mean you can't have one one without the other i suppose you can you can have you can have prayer without pilgrimage but you can't have pilgrimage without prayer but otherwise it becomes a tour doesn't it <clears throat> yes i suppose so a sort of tourist hiking yeah exactly but, I, but having said that we all know and if you read the um, you know, read the Canterbury Tales, mm-hmm. you know, from, from centuries ago, which is all very much about pilgrimage. They, all, they had a very good time as well. Yes. So a lot of it was spent. Well, firstly, of course, all the tales were the, were the stories they told as they walked along. That's right. And then they obviously got extremely drunk most nights in various pubs and enjoyed themselves very much. Yes, as I, as I, I remember
1: as a, as a young man reading those and, and being ashamed <laughs> of that. That's <them>. community <laughs> building, <laughs> isn't it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I know, it's heavier, but it's, it's very sort of healthier. It's very human, and then basically people haven't changed over the centuries. And after all, that is, whatever it is, seven eight hundred years ago now. Right. Mm-hmm. I know we have many different types of of prayer in our
1: in our faith traditions, uh, but particularly when we come to Lourdes, I mean, really the prayers of supplication is what we are we're really focused on when we get here. We Our Lady uh, of Lourdes, and uh, to be able to to as an intercessor to to ask. Uh, her to take our needs uh, to her son.
3: Absolutely. I mean, that's very much the message of this place. Um, very, very much the message, I think. And I remember years ago coming, and <clears throat> somebody who was with us who wasn't a Catholic, and they, were, they had, I don't quite know who brought them, mm-hmm. and I think they didn't know what to expect when they got here. And they were b- very much surprised by the nature of our Lady's intercession, if you see what right. I mean Because, of course, in their tradition It's something they'd sort of never met before right. And they were I remember them saying You know, how struck they were By a completely different aspect To their, their whole religious experience, really And certainly their prayer life I don't think they'd ever remotely prayed to her Right. Before, and I think they find that very rather revealing, rather different.
1: Well, I think it's neat that they would experience that and see that so profoundly here, when so many people, maybe they don't investigate, and maybe they, they wouldn't think that, that her intercession would even be of benefit to them, and yet they found that differently here, didn't they?
3: Yes, I think so. And It's also, it's, again, it's very human, isn't it, that you know, a child in trouble generally runs to its mother and not to its oh, father. Yes. Do you see what I mean? I mean, hmm. we all observe that all the time, and and so that the, the the female figure is the is usually the one who's prepared to listen to the child first. That's right. Do you see what I mean? So, I take great offence at that, by the way. <laughs> 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 yes.
1: Although but I know it is true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway,
3: but it's, I think that that's very natural. I think it's a completely natural the way the thing is, the way it's set up. I think is completely. There's no great surprise about it, I don't think. But, it's, but maybe that's because it's very much in the Catholic tradition. I mm. think that the, the people who are not Catholics might find that rather, rather peculiar, I think. Well. Having said that, most religions have some sort of mother goddess figure. Right. I mean, if you go to, you know... I mean, I've been to places in northern India where there were sort of... I can't now remember which one of the Hindu goddesses it is, but I remember going to a place which was terribly sort of... Its atmosphere in some ways was very, very similar, mm. and they express it totally differently, but it was it's, it, it certainly had parallels, that's for sure.
1: Let's uh, turn our focus a little bit to the to the Order of Malta, again, reminding folks at home that the Order of Malta is the primary sponsor of this program and the Order of Malta's works, uh, well-known throughout the world. And, and since we have Your Highness here present uh, to speak on behalf of the Order, I, I, I guess we should point out that essentially the Order in its very nature is, is, is religious in nature, right? It's, it's a religious order. So prayer is going to be an integral and fundamental part of that order as
3: well. Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly something, if if you look at the sort of our regulations and commentary in the order, which all the members have, um, it makes very abundantly clear that prayer is very much part of what we do. Um, And I was brought up, I was educated in the Benedictine monastery, where they had this, I don't know what you call it, but certainly they used to quote... Um, This business of laborare estorare Mm -hmm. So to work is to pray And so the the, the Benedictine theory Is certainly that everything you do Should be a prayer in itself Um, I sometimes wonder when I'm Doing something which I very much dislike I suppose I sometimes (laughs) wonder how prayerful it is (laughs) Wasn't
2: it even St. Paul who said to pray always And then I also grew up in Benedictine tradition Mm -hmm. And I think that The interesting thing is, is I heard exactly the same thing, no matter what we do, Mm. even when we're sleeping, we can be praying as long as we're doing God's will. Mm. So we must always strive to do God's will.
3: Yes, I think that's true, and also various people have made sort of... Sort of slightly side handed comments on it over the centuries. I remember there was a, a celebrated that, that Cardinal Hume said that in order to pray successfully, you need to be relatively comfortable, mm. but not too comfortable. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> because then, then we fall into deep prayer, don't yes. we? Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Rather too, but that's the same way, isn't it? It's a strange phenomenon, isn't it? That as soon as you take out your rosary beads, Yes. Um, somehow you are rather inclined. They have a faintly soporific effect. I'm always. That's always the case. They
1: bring us peace. They right? bring, they bring us peace. <laughs> a great. <laughs> a great amount of peace. A sometimes. pilgrimage brings us peace. Amen. And Amen. We're connecting the two. Mm. So I guess we were talking about prayer and talking about the order, essentially, you know, being an order of prayer as well as an order of works. That I guess we should just go to the nature of prayer and, and maybe discuss why prayer itself is so important. Right, but A lot of times you don't stop to think about why we pray. We're taught to pray. Mm-hmm. I imagine as a young man you were, you were formed uh, in prayer and, and you knew that you said your prayers. You, 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 you did these things sort of regimentally. Mm-hmm. And it's good that we do those things, but sometimes we may not stop and pause and figure out why it is that we pray. And so maybe I would ask you from the perspective of, I guess, modeling your behavior mm-hmm. to, uh, to the to members of the order. Uh, your own prayer life and why you feel prayer is so important
3: well I, I think as a professed religious like Tom and I are both, are both that one of the things that we both have to do and you too as a deacon we have to um, say our prayers every day we have to say right. the prayers yeah. of the church we, you know, the, 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 the liturgy of the hours that is prayer in itself um, <clears throat> and so that's, you know, that's fundamentally part of your day. That's the first thing. So it comes naturally, I think. And then even, you know, it, it, the, the business of prayer of petition, the prayer of supplication mm-hmm. that you mentioned before, that's very much what people are inclined, I think, to, to um, concentrate on here at Lourdes because... You know, people pray to get better or somebody else is praying that they may get better the person they're praying for. So that's very much prayer of supplication. And then the thing then develops or should, I think, develop into a prayer of praise as well. Certainly when we go to Mass Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's wonderful singing and things like that, I think that becomes prayer of praise. Um, So the two, uh, I think the two should be, and I think are generally speaking, intermingled, if you like. Yes. Um... Uh, and then there is also the whole business of prayer of contemplation, which right. is another more complicated area, I think. Um, again, trouble is the prayer of contemplation, if you're... But- most of us, me included, that again turns into prayer of sleep if you're yeah. not too careful. <laughs> you're very
1: contemplative, I've heard. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: but I mean, that again is. And I don't think that necessarily matters. I think. I th- so I, well, I hope anyway. I hope that, that Almighty God is. He's pretty forgiving. I think he's pretty understanding about how we are. Um, and I. You know, you do occasionally meet people. They're usually somebody like a contemplative monk. I mean, you do meet people who spend hours in prayer. Mm. And after all, there are communities Mm. who exist in order to pray and really don't do anything else. Right. But I think that takes a very special sort of person. Um,
1: There's a a Port Clare Monastery right up the road. And they're, you know, cloistered and... You only see the little lady, the little nun in the gift the shop. The sister, exactly, <laughs> yes. exactly. But, but you it, don't get to see the others. You
3: don't get to see the others. But I think that that, that does. Um, you know, it, it, it obviously it obviously requires a special person mm, to do that. I them. think. I think. Yeah. I think it's a very special, a very special vocation. Um, and I think um, some people are called to it, and some people are not. Um, other people, I think, find any form of prayer very difficult. I right. think it's quite, I think it just, you know, we're all different. We're all somebody, you know, we all have different talents, I suppose, is the answer. Um, your Highness,
1: have you, have you, in your lifetime, have you always had
3: that spirit of prayer? Or did it develop over your, your time? Well, I suppose, in my case, I mean, I don't think I'm very good at it. In fact, I know perfectly well I'm very bad at it. But I think it rather depends on how you're brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the things that I... From a very early age, ever since I can remember, if I got in the car in particular with either of my parents, not just going from where we lived to the local village, but if you set off and went anywhere a little bit further, the first thing you did on getting in the car was to say your rosary. Right. Always, on every single trip. Wow. Um, And that was something which is... Perhaps now is now rather out of probably rather out of fashion, but it's something that we all always did. And if, you know, when you when you first became aware of it, age mm-hmm. two or three years old, right. it then became something which was completely natural to you. Right. And I then, of course, mm-hmm. assumed that everybody else in the world did the same, and I found, to my surprise, rather later on, that actually yes. it wasn't quite the case. But but I mean, there is certainly nice. that was an, a very very basic grinding, um, and I don't think my parents were. They were, I think, they were quite pious, but they were neither of them lunatics, that's for sure.
1: Right. Well, beautiful. So we have lots more to talk about in terms of prayer, the power of prayer, and connecting prayer to pilgrimage. Uh, when we come back, we'll take a short break. Before we do that, I'll remind folks at home we have a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me uh, a note about maybe your prayer life and uh, maybe some difficulties you have in your prayer life. Love to talk to you about that. Uh, send those uh, emails to Deacon Jeff at com. And with that, we pray that you will be right back with us.
4: I'm Bess and this is another great moment in church history. Born in the year 251 in Egypt, St. Anthony of the Desert rose to become the father of monasticism. He took these words of the gospel to heart. If you would be perfect, go, sell what you have, and give to the poor. As a young man of 20, he gave away his vast wealth and went to live in poverty and solitude in the desert. St. Anthony fasted on bread and water, only eating after sunset each day. The fasting strengthened him for the many spiritual assaults he would endure. Much like Christ's 40 days of fast in the desert, he was tortured by demonic spirits and tempted to great evil. But his strength and confidence in God never failed him. St. Anthony was known to have said, The devil is afraid of us when we pray and make sacrifices. He is also afraid when we are humble and good. He is especially afraid when we love Jesus very much. He runs away when we make the sign of the cross. Christ never abandoned him during these trials, but only made him stronger for his great vocation. St. Anthony's reputation began to grow and he gathered many followers. He was known as a miraculous healer. He became a spiritual counselor to many and recommended a simple life based on the Gospels. He was finally convinced to found two separate monasteries and began a rule of life for monastic living. The monasteries St. Anthony initiated were the first to be started and thus began the great tradition and history of monastic life in the church. These pioneering monks practiced prayer, fasting, and almsgiving and lived a life apart from the world in constant reparation for their sins and the sins of others. It is said that two Greek philosophers once came to St. Anthony because of his reputation for wisdom. He told them, If you think me wise, become what I am, for we ought to imitate the good. Had I gone to you, I should have imitated you, but, since you have come to me, become what I am, for I am a Christian." St. Anthony lived until the ripe old age of 105 and died peacefully in a cave near the Red Sea. He is a great witness to the simple life of prayer and fasting we as Christians are called to live. St. Anthony of the Desert's Feast Day is celebrated by the Universal Church on January 17th. I'm Bess Zimski and this is another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious
1: corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. I'm here with Fra Tom Mulligan. Fra yes, Tom. Yes,
2: here I am and I'm sitting with my boss. Well, so I have to be very careful about what, lo- what I say a, a today. Well, <laughs> boss
1: you have. Yes, right. We're sitting here with uh, his most eminent highness, Fra Matthew Festing. He's a prince and grand master of the Order of Malta and you know, when we, when we were last speaking, you were talking about your parents had instilled this this prayer life. At the very beginning, it was just sort of second nature. It's what you, you grew up in to bring a rosary in the car and simple things like that. And I imagine there was other prayers, prayers at meals and, <clears throat> uh, and, and, and understanding a, a relationship between all the great gifts you might have received at Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. and the incarnation and going to mass and all these things that you might have grown up with. And I guess that, it just sort of speaks about Or maybe ask us that question, if our parents today have that same sort of spiritual rigor, even if they weren't extremely pious people, that that was second nature. And do our families suffer a little bit, I think, uh, now when we don't have that sort of second nature of prayer?
3: Uh, Well, I don't know. Again, I think it's rather difficult, you know, for me as somebody who's never had any children, <clears> to <throat> you know, to comment on how people, how parents treat their children now. I mean, one of the facts of life is that everything is so incredibly busy. Mm. Very often you have both parents working. I mean, there are all sorts of things out like there, and the pace of life is completely different. Um, <clears throat> I mean, in my case, um, I mean, my mother certainly had a very important part in sort of not just, I think we mentioned a moment ago, the business of the rosary in the car, but, I mean, she was extremely... Um, uh, not tough is not the word, but but certainly insistent, I suppose, insistent. That, that you jolly well said your night prayers, that sort of thing. I don't much remember about morning prayer, to be frank with you. Right. But I do remember definitely before when you went to bed. Right. But then that was part of, again, sort of rather old-fashioned thing. I don't even know whether parents do this now. But, you know, part of going to bed was being read some funny little story about some a completely childish matter, which of course you enjoyed, and then, when that was ended, the, the next sort of phase was saying your prayers before the lights were turned out and once you 've got that once, if, if that is your sort of, um, if that 's the sort of routine of, of every day, well then it it, comes, it does come a second nature
2: and the value of it to mm. think in terms of if you do have those basic prayers down from the time when you 're very young. Even today, as we're um, older, and when times become difficult, you turn to prayer. Those rote prayers, in many ways, the Hail Mary, the Our Father.
3: Uh, uh, Yeah, and I I think there are things that add to it, too. And one of the things that I definitely remember, and I've never seen anybody do it since, is that we obviously we went off to Mass, sometimes during the week, but always on Sundays, And like any child, you were bored and annoyed and the thing was too long and there were all sorts of distractions.
1: I have that difficulty now. (laughs) Don't
3: don't we all? Don't we all? But again, we as children, I had three brothers. There was a very good bribe which went on at home. My mother used to make, after Christmas every year, she used to cut up all the old Christmas cards which had holy pictures in Mm. which she then stuck in a book And we were each issued with a book, which we were only allowed to have on Sundays. So you went to Mass with a book full of wonderful pictures. And, of course, you behaved extremely well during Mass because you were looking at the pictures. Wonderful. Which was a good thing. And then, of course, as soon as you came out of church, the book was taken away from you. And you then rather enjoyed having looked at whatever it is that you thought was fun. Well, that's neat. That's, a, that's quite, a very clever, clever idea. a clever idea. And, 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 and that was something that we always had at home. Um, and the fact, of course, that it was a sort of homemade thing. It wasn't just a printed right. thing. It was, it was something much more personal. Special. Much more special. And, and you, you know, you, you wanted to go on looking at the picture of the... I mean, It was something as simple. I can't remember what it, was, you know. But you, you, your fancy was taken by a picture of angels, or it was the ox and the ass and the, and the right. you know, that sort of thing. And you rather look forward mm-hmm. to Sunday. I mean, the serial thing was, isn't it wonderful? You know, the child enjoys going to mass, but so it's absolutely, you know, a as where the child enjoyed looking at the pictures. Yes. But that, in a way, of course, is even that sort of thing is, is to do with prayer. Like stained
2: glass windows. Like stained glass and windows, and exactly.
3: You know, so. And it's one of the reasons that I think that the whole business of the liturgy, the liturgy is incredibly important because the liturgy has to be something which is inspiring and interesting and takes your attention. If if liturgy is, is just completely ordinary and the same Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and it's completely sort of matter of fact and um, something which is not too different from your everyday life well you're not you're not exposed to, to the business of, of, of picking up on it at all, which one of the reasons is I think that modern liturgy sometimes is not very helpful because it's, it's too um, it doesn't give you time to think. It doesn't give you time to pray. It doesn't give you time to... Because you're permanently hopping up and down, answering. Um, you know, the, there's, a, there's too much going on. Whereas the old mass... Um, you know, it was quieter and much more sort of reverential, if that's the right word. I think word. the
1: church refers to it as sacred silence several sacred times. Sacred silence, exactly. Where there's an opportunity for you mm-hmm. to reflect upon what you've just mm-hmm. either heard or mm-hmm. what you're getting ready to do or what you've just received.
3: Yes, I think there's a lot of, lot of truth in that. And I think that, you know, one doesn't want to get mad about it, but I think that there's no doubt about it. It did have a very good, it, it, there was a very special, it had a very special nature, that. Right. And I think that, again, taught you how to pray. And, I mean, sometimes people criticize it and say, well, you know, people didn't understand Latin. So what were they reduced doing saying their rosary? Seems to me to be rather a good idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, absolutely.
1: I don't know what it's like across the pond there, uh, you know, but, but our liturgists and our music ministers, we'll call them, uh, hmm. you know, love to fill every little bit of time with some kind of musical ditty in between. As, as, the, as the priest is making his way to the ambo or as the deacon is preparing the altar, some kind of little music playing, and sometimes it's nice for there to be absolutely nothing going on.
2: It seems like we've even forgotten to have the the church quiet before Mass begins, and this is going back to home. It becomes home. a meeting place or a
1: greeting place, doesn't
2: and it? Uh, I can understand that, but there's a place for it, and uh, it doesn't really put you into the right mindset. And all of a sudden the Mass has begun, and it's almost... Um, It's a problem
3: It is a problem And I think it's also I think it's to do with It's to do with Different national traditions Mm. Frankly I think Mm. Um, And and I think What works in one country Doesn't necessarily work In another But I mean I've had to adjust Having been brought up In England That has one tradition Which is very Largely musical At church Right Whereas um, Now I spend Most of my time In Rome And it's a completely Different approach I mean um, Much less music um, and in many ways, better for it, in my view. I mean, endlessly repeating, um, I mean, obviously, some, some hymns and things are wonderful, but, but and of course, are, are very much prayer um, in themselves. But, you know, endlessly, every single Sunday, having the same dreary old hymn that everybody knows by heart, and has got so bored of, it, they don't even bother to sing it. Right. And 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 you know, I think that there are. I think that, that sort of thing needs it needs thinking through. I think.
1: Well, thinking through that's an interesting point because a lot of times we don't think through, right? We repeat prayers and we may say. Uh, sometimes when we pray, we don't actually stop and think about the words that we're praying. And so not that I'd ever condemn, uh, wrote, or memorized prayers, because I think they're, they're actually quite beautiful. Mm. But I think sometimes we have to actually slow down to understand the words that we're actually praying. I, I remember one particular priest talking about not wanting us to pray machine gun rosaries, he called them, where you just... You know, your beads were warm because you moved through them so fast there was friction going on, you know.
3: But that is, but again, that is part of a different tradition, isn't it? That the, yes, you it's know, true. In, and and the, the, the idea of the rosary and, and telling the beads, as, as they say, that it also goes, it doesn't, it's not just Christian. If you, after all, you see um, both Hindus and Muslims also right. using a form of rosary and the business of, you know, of, of, of repeating the name of God, the, the right. name of Allah time after time. Time after time after time. And again, that's by rote. But equally, in fact, it's, it's, it's something which is, it's actually, I mean, I've never done it in that particular form. But, I mean, it's obviously soothing to the mind. Right. And it, while you're doing it, it means you can contemplate on things. Uh,
1: contemplative just, or uh, meditative
3: kind of. Yeah, that's right. And you see, after all, the whole point of the rosary, or one of the whole points of the rosary is to meditate. The thing is done by rote and you're, and you're just cracking on yes. with it, if you, if you see what I mean. But then you're meant to be meditating on whichever mystery you're saying. Says so, yes. so, you know you're meant to be mm. saying um, the five Doris mysteries or whatever you happen to be doing on that particular day, and that's the point of it. And I think if you get to, if you get into the way of just rattling through and just saying, well, I must get my Rosary done down. Right. Well, that's that's mm. that's not so good. But if in fact you you were able to to actually work as it were, concentrate on the annunciation or the visitation or whatever it is that you're meant to be thinking about in that particular um, decade of the resurrection. Right. That's, that's, you know, that's an aid to a different sort of prayer. That gets you towards the business, I suppose, of contemplation.
1: Right. And maybe to sleep, right? For some of us
3: who <laughs> no, <I don't> <laughs> said he's in the care.
1: Thank you so much for being okay. here with us, enlightening us, uh, helping us to, to, to contemplate prayer, to think about prayer. <laughs> And really, to to revisit our own prayer life. Really interesting perspectives.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: we're so glad you were here. In fact, what That's we should sex. do is offer a prayer to the Blessed Mother, to Our Lady of Lords. Very good. Hail Mary, Mary full, full of grace, grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, thou among women, you, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Hail Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners now, at the hour of our, our death. death. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com.